The Accidental Entrepreneur is produced by Mindhacker Law and brought to you through our affiliate relationships with the following sponsors. One of One Productions, the New Jersey-based podcast studio that produces and edits both audio and video podcasts. They sell equipment for the average podcaster and have even created a guesting kit exclusively for our listeners. North Authentic, the conscious hair care marketplace offering the cleanest brands from around the world. The Healthy Place, the e-commerce site with thousands of supplements to help you live a healthier life, along with natural solutions for chronic pain, stress, anxiety, depression, sleeplessness, and much, much more. And be sure to support the podcast by ordering some logo merchandise from our online store. Listen to all of our sponsors' commercials later in this episode and follow their links in the show notes to learn more about their products and services. Yeah, but we don't know what's going to happen in the future. And this is the, you know, this is kind of where planning really comes into play. We plan according to the information that we have tomorrow, but what's to say in 20, 30 years, our tax rates are not going to be much higher, right? They were at times during wartime, right? There were 70, 80, 90% bracketed stuff. It was crazy. Yeah, not not know, total. I'm not saying you paid 90% of your income in tax, but there was a creep, a bracket. Yeah, it depends on how you rich are. you are. Right. Exactly. You, you, know, you know, Reagan only used to make like one or two movies a year. You know why? Because of the taxes he would go into the higher bracket. It, absolutely. Because if he if he made any more movies and made any more money. Made no sense. What's the point? It made no sense. Right. So he would like make one movie and then spend the rest of his, you know, year vacationing or whatever. Because yeah, he just because did it. Right. It didn't make any financial sense. I mean, it's reasonable to think that the rates are going to be higher going forward. We have all these things going on in the world. We got to pay for them somehow. Now we're doing all this deficit spending. Rates are going to go up. We may have gridlock in Washington for the next four years, but at some point they're going to go up. They're very yeah. low right now. That's the thing that people don't understand. I mean, you know, not to get political, but this, this, that's the thing that people don't understand. So, yes, we want all of these. You know, we want to help everyone and do everything right. But at some point you have to ask. Where's the money coming from? There's a price, right? There's a price for everything, right? Yeah. And it's at some point it's coming out of your pocket, right? Of course. The government gets money from taxes. So if you don't want your taxes to go up, then you can't spend more money, right? If you, you know, if you want to spend more money, that's fine. Just be aware that your taxes have to go up as a result of it, right? That's just that's just the reality. The information provided in these episodes is for entertainment purposes only. It is not a guarantee of success or to be construed as advice of any kind. You should always seek advice from local licensed professionals before making any decisions. The dictionary defines an entrepreneur as a person who organizes and manages any enterprise, especially a business, usually with considerable initiative and risk. People often start a business without much choice, perhaps due to a job loss or just being dissatisfied at work, and they come up with an idea they just know can be successful. They become entrepreneurs by accident. That is to say their success or failure happens by accident, not with intention. My name is Mitch Beinhacker. I'm a corporate attorney and a business advisor. You're listening to The Accidental Entrepreneur, my podcast about how to achieve success on purpose, not by accident. Join me along with our monthly guests where we share our knowledge and help you get a hold of your business. And now on to today's episode. Gigi Decor. I'm a financial advisor and insurance broker in Edison, New Jersey. Since I'm with the broker-dealer, I'm obligated to state certain disclosures before I dive into things. I'm a registered representative and registered investment advisor of Horner, Townsend & Kent, also known as HTK. 
Securities and investment advisory services are offered through HTK, member FINRA, SIPIC, 600 Drescher Road, Horsham, PA, 19044. Phone number is 800-225-7637. Shanti Now and other uh, listed entities are not affiliated with HTK. HTK does not provide legal and tax advice. The opinions in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of HTK. This information is to be used for educational purposes only and should not be considered specific tax, legal, investment, or planning advice, which are only provided on a personalized basis. Hi, I'm Gigi Takor. I'm a financial advisor with Shanti Now Financial, which is a firm that we own in Edison, New Jersey. All right, we are on the mic. Gigi, thanks for coming on, The Accidental Entrepreneur. I know we've been talking about it for a long time, and you and I know each other very well from the community, and I wanted to get on and talk about all the stuff that we always talk about, right? We were just talking off the mic about, you know, the frustration of people that saying, I wish I knew then what I know now, and, you know, we can get into all that stuff about, you know, tax deferral and when it makes sense versus not, um, you know, because you... Similarly to some financial advisors, I know, but some financial advisors don't have as broad a background as you do in insurance and financial products. Um, there are some, you know, very tax favorable products available out there that people kind of shy away from. You know, they're too conservative. You know, they're you know traditional whole life and things like that. I, you know, I don't know anybody really lost money on whole life. It might not go up the same next year as you plan, but. It's, it's a very secure instrument and so are annuities and things like that. And I think like we were saying before, um, what were you saying? You were saying uh, how people then try and, you know, say, oh, well, talk to my kids. They're in their 20s and 30s. They're just getting started in work. And even then they have crazy ideas about, I mean, that's the hardest part is when you're 25, you think you know everything and you're like, ah, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. You're older, Gigi. That's a different world now. But it's not like compound interest. All those mathematical principles haven't gone anywhere, right? Absolutely. They're the same in the 1970s as the 80s, the 90s. They're right. it's the same. Just the same rates compound. have changed, right? Absolutely. Same compounding interest uh, theories are still around, right? If you, yeah. If you put a dollar in today when you're 25, you let it grow. By the time you're 65, you're going to end up with, you know, whatever the dollar amount is, right? Based on 6% compounding interest. Right. And you can't make up for lost time. Like it's Absolutely. a huge, it's a huge impact. Absolutely. If you start the same, you know, the same thing when you're 45, you're going to be way behind, uh, you know, the eight ball versus if you start at 25. So yeah, Mitch, it's it's funny. I was just telling, I was just telling him that um, we have a lot of clients who, you know, now that they've done all of this financial uh, learning really as a result of us, you know, them being our clients for the last five, 10 years, they introduced me to their kids. And so the kids will come to me and say, you know, I have this much in student debt. I have this much saved. I have this, you know, it's just like, they're just starting out. Right. So there's a lot that they can do. So yes, they should be putting away for a rainy day, right? They should have savings. God forbid. I mean, the pandemic, if nothing get laid off. Absolutely has taught us you have to have some money on the sidelines. If you don't, it's just it, it's very unfortunate, right? You're going to be in a in an unfortunate dire situation. Um, so yeah, there should be some savings, but I think the the younger generation sometimes have been 
too conservative in some cases, right? Where, um, as I was mentioning, there's there, I have clients who have like $10,000 saved, which is great. You know, it's, it's great, but it's sitting in a savings account and it's earning 00.1, right? When they have student debt that they're paying seven, eight, you know, six percent on. Yeah, right. Yeah, depending depending on whatever their interest rate is. And so they'll, you know, one of them I had this discussion with and she goes, well, aren't you supposed to save? And I'm like, absolutely. You should you should absolutely have three to six months of whatever it is, your whatever your monthly expenses are saved. Right. However, when you have more than that, which in this case she did, right? Because she was living at home with her parents. Right, she didn't have a lot of expenses, stuff. right. Exactly. So I said, beyond that, right, you should be put, paying off your debt. Like, why are you going to give this company right. six, seven, eight, nine? It's not like you get a tax deduction for the interest you pay, you know? Right. Yeah, right. So I'm like, what's what? Like, what would be the? She's like, well, I was just scared of not having that money. Well, see, she and was guess- comfortable knowing that she had that money in the bank, but she didn't see that it's going down really because she's paying more in interest than she's earning. Absolutely. Then the cost of living is going up and she's not, you know, she's not getting 2% in the bank or right. you know, 3% in the bank like we used to get. Um, so, yeah. So now we, you know, we worked with her and, and honestly, I'll be honest with you. Like a lot of this is psychological. Like I should really have a psychology degree, right? <laughs> right. It probably should. But it, a lot of it's because it's all emotional, like the dealing with money and the decisions and the things that happen in life. And we do kind of learn from our parents, like if, if they're, if their understanding of money and how it works is kind of a little off, ours isn't going to be any better. And then you read all the stuff on the internet, forget about it. It's like trying to diagnose yourself medically, you know, (laughs) so much. There is, there's a lot of misleading stuff out there. We were talking before about tax deferral and that a lot of CPAs and other financial professionals are like, defer, defer, defer. You should set up a 401k, set up your IRA. They bring you in. Your, you know, your, your friend's kid is 27 years old, right? They're f- starting their first job. They take them into a room. Oh, today's your onboarding day or whatever they call it, right? They give them a package, all these forms. They don't know what they're doing. They check off some boxes. They don't even have advice as to what funds they should pick. They max out the 401k, probably in the lowest tax bracket that day they will ever be in their entire life. Right. And like you said, they maybe they're better off like with a Roth IRA because they don't get a tax deduction, but it's going to be tax-free later on. They'll definitely be in a higher bracket than they are that day, but Absolutely. they don't know any better. So then they're maxing it all out. And, you know, and nobody ever does the analysis, I guess, when you're 70 or 80. But I don't know if you remember, there was a time when and it may come back again, where there was an excise tax on retirement funds. If you had, in the government's opinion, saved too much money, (laughs) they wanted, what was it, like 50% of the excess or something like that. And there was was an excise tax at death. I think that was the 50%. I think there was an excise tax during life. It was like an extra 15%. But that's on top of the income tax you're also paying. So now you're dying with these plans and they're all gone. You know, so- yeah, that's when I mean that's when we would be calling you all the time, right, Mitch? When when New Jersey in the state of New Jersey, it used to be very, until very recent, right? If you had anything over six seventy five, you yeah. had to pay whatever. I think it was like ten percent tax to the state, and then um, I forget the exact number. Yeah, it goes as high as fifteen percent. There you go. I got rid of right. it, but the reason was so originally New Jersey had something called a sponge tax, which basically said, listen, if the federal government will give you a credit against the taxes that you would pay them, we want what the credit they're giving you. 
it would absorb the credit. It was called the sponge tax. Well, then the feds raised the limits so high. Now it's like more than $11 million a person, 23 million between spouses, whatever. New Jersey would never get any money. So they instituted that tax and then eventually got rid of it altogether. Yeah, but we don't know what's going to happen in the future. And this is the, you know, this is kind of where planning really comes into play. We plan according to the information that we have tomorrow, but what's to say in 20, 30 years, our tax rates are not going to be much higher, right? They were at times during wartime, right? There were 70, 80, 90% bracketed stuff. It was crazy. Yeah, not, you know, not total. I'm not saying you paid 90% of your income in tax, but there was a creep, a bracket. It depends creep. Yeah, it depends, it depends on, on how you rich were. you are, right? Exactly. You, you know, you know, Reagan only used to make like one or two movies a year. You know why? Because of the taxes he would go into but the higher bracket. It, absolutely, because if yeah. he if he made any more movies and made any more money, it made no sense. What's the point? It made no sense, right? So he would like make one movie and then spend the rest of his you know year vacationing or whatever because yeah, he just because didn't, right. Didn't financial sense. I mean, it's reasonable to think that the rates are going to be higher going forward. We have all these things going on in the world. we got to pay for them somehow. Now we're doing all this deficit spending. Rates are going to go up. We may have gridlock in Washington for the next four years, but at some point they're going to go up. They're very yeah. low right now. That's the thing that people don't understand. I mean, you know, not to get political, but this, this, that's the thing that people don't understand. So yes, we want all of these, you know, we want to help everyone and do everything right. But at some point you have to ask, Where's the money coming from? There's a price, right? There's a price for everything, right? Yeah. And it's at some point, it's coming out of your pocket, right? Of course. The government gets money from taxes. So if you don't want your taxes to go up, then you can't spend more money, right? If you, you know, if you want to spend more money, that's fine. Just be aware that your taxes have to go up as a result of it, right? That's just that's just the reality. And obviously there's a whole nother, you know thought process where yeah, and there's economics to it. You know, you, you, you keep borrowing money as a government, you keep put, pumping money into the economy, you're liquidating your economy is what you're doing. It's kind of what we're doing, but we're in a emergency mode right now. So we're in wartime. Yeah. This is, we're acting as if we're in war, which we kind of are, um, you know, against a virus, not another. Yeah. We're in all country. kinds of wars. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that, um, do you see that your clients are now, a lot of them are going through their savings because of the fact they might have gotten laid off or things like that or not so much? No, I mean, you know, I'll, I'm very fortunate. We, majority of our clients have not, um, have not had a major change in their income. Um, it may be the businesses that they're in. It may be, I mean, some of them have had the best year that they've ever had. Really? Yeah. One of our clients has had the best year ever. Um, they're, you know, obviously in a business, it's, right. it's um, well, the money in the economy overall didn't disappear, it just moved around to different people. You might've lost yours and somebody else got theirs, you know? Yeah. Not to say, I mean, obviously we do have clients, like I have a client who's a restaurant owner yeah. got killed. I mean, fortunately, um, actually here's a, here's an interesting story, right? So he called me, um, in March and said, I need to take money. I need 50,000 roughly. Right. So I said, Oh my goodness, this is not the time to be taking money out of, you know, out of your investments because right now it's just paper losses, right? Yes. Right. You're down, whatever it is, 10, 15, but he needed it for the business, right? But he needed it for the business. Right. So he said, well, I need the money. Where, where am I going to go to? So I said, okay, let's look at all the other options. Right. And fortunately for him, we actually had, um, had a whole life policy that, that he was able to take out that money from, but right. had he not had that, right. We would have no other option. And majority of the people don't have a backup plan like that. Like, yeah, people will have some money in cash, 
cash, but usually it's, you know, it's a couple of months worth. It's not 50,000. It's not a hundred thousand, but so you have to have, in my opinion, and not everyone will agree with this, right. But in my opinion, you have to have your assets diversified. They can't all be sitting in the market. They can't all be sitting in one sector. I mean, I had one guy who came to me and he had all of his money sitting in Exxon stock. One company? Did he spend his whole life working for Exxon? (laughs) I don't know why it was all, no, I don't think he worked for Exxon. Just like the tiger? That was, you know. I mean, I guess gas stocks in theory, right? But look, gas companies in the next 20 or 30 years, GM just announced they're going all electric by 2035. So I don't know what's going to happen to the gas companies. OPEC's not going to be so strong anymore. You know, it's going to be a different world. Yeah. So imagine if he had if he had stayed in that Exxon stock, like what would be happening to it right now? Right. What would happen when Tesla came out and all those guys? Right. Like it was going to get killed. So you can't have all your money in one sector, in one right. company, in one product. Right. It should be well diversified. Right. Like, it shouldn't just be like you have 27 stocks. You're still in the stock market. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. You need to have you need to hedge your bets, if you will, right? So you have to have money somewhere else, uh, whether it's sitting in cash. The only unfortunate part about it sitting in cash is that it's not going to do much, right? No, no it's so, not gonna, you don't get much more. That's why I'm I'm a big proponent of of whole life insurance. Um, I, I my that's my bias. I grew up in the business, but also as a planning attorney, the tax advantages and the things that I can do with a life insurance policy if it's well funded are a lot. And, and you get, and not, first of all, the money's not easily accessible, which is good, right? You can't just go to the bank, take the money out, not tell you, you would know as the advisor that they need money from their life insurance policy. So it's not that accessible. It definitely goes up. It doesn't really go down. It might not go up as much next year based on dividends, but it's pretty, it's pretty safe, um, you know, in terms of being a backed product, if you go with a good company and, and then it has other things like death benefit and long-term care riders and disability waivers you can put on. And do they still have those insurability wave riders for kids? Like as they get older, they can do things at different points in their life. I know a family, a good friend of my dad's yeah, whose, yeah, yeah. whose kids had bought, he had insured the whole family, you know, he's been a big client of his for a long time. And the kids had bought those, the dad bought, I don't know, $150,000 policies in the kids, but they had those insurability waivers. The, the mom came, they discovered she had like, what enlarged heart or, you know, that disease, um, cardiac myopathy and all the kids had the condition and yeah. they were uninsurable, but they were able to exercise oh these gosh. things and ended up with 800 to a million dollars of life insurance over a period of time, you know, both when they got married and had a baby at certain ages because they had that insurability yeah. rider. So there's a lot of things you, I'm not saying it's the only, it's by far the only thing you should do, but I find that people get all excited about the stock market and the Amazon and, Tesla and SpaceX until it goes down. And then they're like- And GameStop, right? (laughs) GameStop. Yeah, well, that's a whole ridiculousness. Yeah. But, you know, that's the thing. Like Robinhood, all these little apps that are out there where you can like, have you heard of Stash? That that Stash is the one where you buy things. You end like, let's pay your Verizon bill and you end up with a tiny piece of shares in the company. It's good theory. But they get, you know, they get excited about the wrong things, unfortunately. I, I don't know. So, so here's the, unfortunately, here's the reality, right? Everyone wants quick, quick money, right? They don't want to. And so like going back to your whole life uh, example, right? It's very slow growing. Like it's, you know, 4%. It's not very exciting. First two years, nothing. Then it starts to really go up. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. So it's, it's not very exciting. Whereas, 
you know, when it comes to like Amazons of the world, right. Or GameStops or whatever, I think that guy went from like 50,000 to like 20 million or something ridiculous like that. In, On the GameStop which, stock. Which, yeah. Which was all fake. Right. Because right. it went, it plummeted down. And so, okay. You know, I actually have clients who are day traders, right. I have one guy, one guy. Who's That's a day huge trader. risk stuff. Crazy stuff. Huge. So he lost ninety thousand dollars, and ninety thousand, depending on where you yeah, are. Yeah, you have millions of dollars, or maybe it's not a lot. Yeah, it could. In this case, it wasn't. You know, it was a lot, right? Like, it was a lot. Okay. Was, yeah, it was. The, it was at the point where he was like, "Don't tell my wife." <laughs> like, yeah. This is not a good thing, right? Just so it's people like, know, day trading means basically you're in the market, and then at the end of the day, you're out of the market, right? For the most part. Yeah, it's basically like. And the way I see it, it's legalized gambling, right? Well, all of the marketing you can say is legalized gambling, right? <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I mean, I think there's certain, there are certain well thought out, you know, strategies. Yeah, it right. It's not like you're just like throwing dice on a table. I understand that. Yeah. There's companies, if you do enough research, you know, it, it makes sense. But these guys, because they're day trading, it's not, there's not enough time to do enough. Right. They're playing on the market. They're really gambling. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's constant turnover. And then there's, um, there's another article that I had just read um, that people don't think about, but Robin Hood, you know, people were having so much fun. There was nothing else to do during the pandemic. You couldn't go anywhere. It couldn't do anything. Right. So they were, I guess for a lack of a better word, they were day trading on Robin, Robin Hood. Hood right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so the thing, and, and, you know, they made money, which was last year, the market, you know, after the pandemic did pretty well. Yeah, right? Everything went up. So yeah. they made money. The thing that they didn't think about is, oh, how much money of, how much of that money am I actually keeping? Right. Right. Because, because uh, there's a lot of short-term capital gains. Right. right? Regular but, income. People don't realize that if you sell a stock, you do it inside of a year, even right. You're paying regular income tax. You know so, who realizes so those problems? Like, the guys that flip real estate too. They don't realize that if you're in a real, you know, you flip a house in seven or 10 days, you're going to pay regular income on the gain because it's not long-term capital gain. Could yeah, be a big difference. Yeah, depending on the dollar amount. Right. Yeah, but depending on the dollar amount, it could be, I think there was one guy who made like 5,000, which is not very much, right? But the, but the tases on that was 37%. Like that's just, you know, right. Because well, because first of all, it's on top of his regular income. So that's already in the top bracket. And it's going to be, you know, yeah, exactly. It's not going to start at 15. Right. <laughs> so yeah, so like, what was so what was the point? Right. What's the point of getting so stressed out? To, yeah, I know guys yeah. that are used to do day trading. They left the business. It's just really it's really stressful. But it's not like you said, there's no sound financial principle that goes with day trading. It, it's just not you're playing the market. It's it's, you know, like you said, legalized gambling. That's true with commodities. It's true with any of these pit traders. I don't know if they have that pits anymore, but, you know, any of the trading that they do. And, and some of these guys can make money in any kind of market, Yep. you know, and that's what they did with the whole GameStop thing, because these bears were they were shorting the market. They knew it was going in the toilet and these other people got pissed and, and, and you know, pumped it up, not illegally, but artificially, yeah. you know, yeah. That's I see that a lot, but I see that people are more excited about stuff like what's the um, uh, buy term and invest the difference, right? It's it's a common, right? Say, oh, you yep. can say, well, it's money, get cheap term insurance. Who knows what company you're buying it from, but cheap term insurance and you can invest the difference and magically you're going to have all this money and you're going to save because you're not going to waste it on the insurance. But you and I both know having life experience 
that you're ra- you're running a race you just cannot win because life doesn't happen in a straight line. Things beat the crap out of you all the time. You lose the portfolio goes down. You make a bad decision, whatever, and then you don't have money to pay your life insurance. Now you lose your life insurance and your portfolio, and you're really screwed. It's too risky for the average person to go down that route. But it's very easy if you take the what were the companies that used to do that. Um, you know, I don't bring up names, but there were companies that that's what they did. They would go to people who had life insurance, whole life insurance. And you and I both know if it's like eight or 10 years old, you can't beat the dividend you're going to get next year because you just, right, it's all pumping up. So they would take that money, right? They would put it in, like they would get them a cheap term policy. And these people would end up with nothing. And when they got into their 70s and 80s. This is, it's, it's so funny. This actually happened to one of my clients and I'm not going to name the name of the company, but she has, she has a permanent policy. It's already paid up. Like yeah. it's done. She doesn't, doesn't have, have to pay to another do, dime. Right. She doesn't have to do anything with it. So they went to her and said, um, actually, I think, you know, the client, but they went to her and said, why don't you uh, take the money and put it into this term policy? So mind you, this person is like in their sixties or whatever. Right. I'm like, okay, so you're going to put this money into a term policy and it's going to end in 10 years. Right. You have nothing as opposed to you having something. Does this make any logical sense? And so, you know, she learned more about it. And then she was mad. She's like, well, why did they come to me and ask me to do this? I'm like, money. Because that's how they make money. Like they're not, they're not a financial advisor. They're an insurance person, right? They're an insurance salesperson. Their job is to sell whether it makes sense for you or not. And in this case, it doesn't make any sense for you. And ironically, they have all that replacement requirements. Like if you're replacing a light, it's the only product. Well, maybe annuities, do they have replacement papers? You don't have to file replacement papers to replace your stock. Yeah. You know? Right. But you do with life insurance. There's a reason for that. So, you know, but they they get around those rules too, though, half the time. Yeah. Unfortunately. Um, yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. I think the idea of term and invest the difference makes a whole lot of sense if you are a disciplined investor if you have um you know look i'll i'll tell you like when i when i first started in this business and when i first had my child i thought i was going to stay at home for 5 years so i had saved and saved and saved like to exhaustion cuz i didn't know if i was going to work after i had my child so Fast forward, I ended up on bed rest for five months and I was like, oh my God, if I have to stay here for another <laughs> another month, I'm gonna kill somebody. Yeah, right. So yeah. <laughs> you know, it was just like it was too much, right? So I ended up, you know, took my time off with the baby and then ended up going back to work. But that gave me enough nest egg to do all of this other stuff with, right? Most people don't have that. If you have that, then it makes sense. If you don't have right. that, it's doesn't make any yeah, sense. Yeah, you need the foundation. You don't build a put building up without any footings. Building will fall down. But we do that, like you said, we'll Absolutely. max out a 401k and then we'll have credit card debt, which makes no sense usually. Right? What are you doing that which for? Which makes no going sense. Backwards. Right. You're paying 20% right. on your credit card and you're putting money in your 401k. Yeah. You know, and there's off. a lot of people who do that. I yeah, know. there's a lot of people who do that because, you know, that's that's what I was told to do. Oh, I everyone should have a 401k. Everyone should have. I'm like, yeah, but you're making whatever it is. Let's say let's say you're making 10% in your 401k, which is a good, you know, which is yeah. a great return. 
But, you know, <laughs> if you're if your credit card debt, you're paying like 30 percent on, which is what most people are paying anywhere between 20 to 30 percent. You're actually losing money and A they don't see money. it that way. They're like, Plus, you're risking your money in yeah. the stock market. Which could right. Go down. Right. There's no guarantees in the, in the right. market. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I get here's really a word from our it. sponsors. And, you know, I'm yet to meet Looking like to older podcasting that were like, oh, I have too much life insurance for your own you know, enjoyment just, or because I'm, I'm you have a message you want to get they all out more. They want to take care of each one other. Of one production take care of the children. New there Jersey may be taxes that are due, just over you know, the whatever it happens Bridge to be, but they caters to the booming you know, business build a portfolio that is, they offer a comfortable atmosphere using the latest technology available real estate record your podcasting. And they are a financial service media company offering both audio and video production services, you know, creating both audio and video podcasts, as well as video shorts for business and personal use. Professional audio equipment packages are available through their website for all budgets. And be sure to check out their podcast guesting kit created specially for our listeners. Care for your health. Care for the planet and look flipping great doing it. North Authentic is a conscious hair care marketplace offering the cleanest brands from around the world. Their pro stylists curate only the most fabulous non-toxic hair products with better-for-you shampoos, serums, masks, and more that actually give you gorgeous hair without hurting your health or the planet. Hey, you've only got one life, one planet, and one glorious mane. Might as well treat them all as best you can, right? Try a 100% clean hair care routine prescribed just for you using their link in the show notes. If you don't see a big, beautiful difference in how your hair looks and feels, you can tell them they're crazy. Do you battle chronic pain, stress, anxiety, or depression? Well, if you take any supplements or you're interested in natural alternatives, you need to know about findyourhealthyplace.com. Find Your Healthy Place has thousands of supplements to help you live a better quality of life, as well as natural solutions for chronic pain, stress, anxiety, depression, sleeplessness, and much, much more. Need guidance? Use their live chat feature and talk to a wellness consultant right on their website. And be sure to use our coupon code TAEPODCAST for all your purchases to get the best prices at findyourhealthyplace.com. Follow their links in the show notes to learn more about all of our sponsors. And now back to our show. Absolutely. Absolutely. We, we depending on the age of the person, we say, look, you should have about 80 80 to 60%, depending on your age, right? The younger you are, the more you should have in the market. The remaining 20 to 40% should not be in the market whatsoever, right? There should be some protection around it. And there's so many different options for that percentage of the money, but there has to be some safety net just in case, because you don't know what's going to happen. So just like that guy, right, that I mentioned where he needed like 50,000 in March of 2020, if he didn't have that, where, where else was he going to go? If all right. of his money was sitting in the market, right, and he had exhausted his savings, where was he going to go? I mean, he's fortunate. He, he has a backup plan, but yeah. not everybody does, right? Well, it's a lot of his bad advice. I, I have this guy I work with. He owns a lot of real estate now. He's a retired police officer whatever. But he was working with a guy. The guy's now he moved away, but the advisor. But the guy basically told him, buy whole life insurance. Like, he didn't know. He's like, okay. So he just bought whole life insurance, kept putting money into whole life insurance, and their high cash value stuff was like – I don't know, let's say Northwestern, the Guardian, whatever. And he started realizing he had all this cash value. And then he started using it to buy real estate. He's buying real estate and he's just got a ton of worth, ton of net worth because yeah. it got to the point where he was using that money yeah, you know what? to do other things with it. 
Yeah. So uh, depending on the company that you go to, there's actually like, we have clients who are um, who are in commercial real estate or even residential real estate where there's, I think there's a company out there um, and I have a client who's there. So they will give you the loan based on your life insurance. Like they will give you the loan, you know, like you don't actually have to take me out of the life insurance. They will give you right. the loan based on either the cash value. Um, I can't imagine it's the death benefit. Just it's using it as collateral value, right? for the, for the mortgage. Correct. Right. Yeah. And you get a good rate because it's totally secure. Cause it's, right. Because the money's there. They know that they know that you have the money. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, taking the money from somewhere else to, to utilize it. Right. It makes yeah, it more. exactly. That's, that's the other thing. You know, people come to me and they're like, oh, I want to pay off, pay off my home and I want to be debt free. And I'm like, okay, so what's the benefit of that? Right. Let's think about it. And it does make sense for a lot of people. Like if yeah. you're you know, if you're very close to retirement, yeah, maybe it makes sense. So you lower your your monthly budget or whatever. But when you're in your like 20s and 30s, and I have a client right now um, who lives, you know, in our area, and his goal is to pay off his home. So he accelerate his mortgage? His goal is to pay off the home. And, and Why? Like, why would you want to do that? He's like, oh, I just want to be done with it. I, you right. Know, People, but in some cases, though, you will lose more in tax deductions than you'll actually save in interest if you don't do that. And by the way, also, you get laid off during a pandemic. You can't go to the bank and get a loan against your house to to do other things with because you have no income now. You're not going to qualify. You're standing on dirt. You're going to get a shovel and give them the dirt. It, it, it is a riskier position to be in. You got to be careful about it because not only is it a risky position to be in because you can't always get money out of your home, depending on what's going on in the economy. And like you said, tax-wise, you may be giving up more. I've seen the situation, depending on the spread between what interest rates are and the tax bracket you're in, where it may actually be costing you more money to pay off your mortgage quicker. Like if you if you want to do double payments on your mortgage, put the other payment into an account and then do the analysis later on. And sometimes you end up losing money, but some people aren't comfortable, like you said. With, you know, they can't sleep at night having a mortgage, so they they do it. But it's not always the best thing for them. It doesn't make any financial sense, and and you know, depending on your age, right? Like I said, if you're in retirement and you know your income is going to go down, yeah, maybe it makes some sense. Depending on you know, like this is your forever home, right? But for someone who's like young and you know, now you have, and especially the homes around here, like you have a ton of money sitting, you know, in your home, but you can't access it, right? Like right. you said. Doesn't yeah. make any sense. You're not making money on any of that. The banks are. <laughs> so banks you might as well money. make money on some of that money, right? Right, right. Absolutely. And once you get over 62, you're 65, 70, you can reverse mortgage the house. I mean, there's ways to get access to the funds without needing a job. But when you're younger and you're in a top tax bracket, probably makes no sense. But you know, look, we do a lot of things emotionally when it comes to financial decisions, foolishly and conservatively. You know. Yeah, very yeah, few it's a, I, good I think a lot of this is, yeah, I think a lot of it is based off of like my parents, you know, for the longest time I was told to save every dime, every penny that you have. And so that's what I did. I would save and save and put it all in the bank. And then eventually I figured out, you know, when I, when I was working in my first job, where I, was, I was there five years and I figured out, I'm like, oh, there's all these people who are like investing their money and living a better lifestyle than I am. Right. Like, right. <laughs> meanwhile, I was saving every dime. That was great. But I wasn't enjoying any of my money. Right. And the right. whole point 
now, in my opinion, the whole point of having money is because there's so many different philosophies about it, right? There's people who just want to save, save, save because you never know what's going to happen. And then there's people who just want to spend because you don't know if you're going to be here tomorrow, right? And there's a happy medium between- Definitely a happy medium. Yeah, because you can't take it with you. You can't take it with you when you die. But if you live too high, you make yourself very vulnerable to changes that you can't control. Right. Right. I have, I have a client right now who's like, you know, we live, a, we live a very comfortable, good life. And I'm like, that's great. That's great. We just want you to continue to live that life. You, mm-hmm. We don't want you to run out of money because you're living the good life. Right. That's right. the whole. So there's a fine balance and there's, you know, a bunch of software and all that stuff that will that will calculate that. But the hardest part is really the, you know, to emotional like, side of it. Yeah. Yeah. The psychological side of either, you know, not having enough or, oh, I have so much that I never have to worry about it, which, you know, less and less people feel that way. But even with the pandemic, there's a lot of people who are like, well, I don't know if I'm going to be here tomorrow. Look, all these, you know, this is happening out there. I don't yeah. know. Might as well enjoy it. Woohoo. <laughs> yeah. So happy medium between those two. Definitely I think, happy right? medium. Yeah. I think, uh, I think that's one of the hardest things is you want to live a certain kind of lifestyle. Look, I know people that have lost it and got it back and lost it again, and they're fine. They've gotten used to the volatility, and they they have confidence that, listen, I'm going to take a risk, and then, you know, whatever. And then there's other people that are afraid if their mortgage is two days late, you know, they're like, I, I, I got to pay my mortgage. I go, well, that's what the late fees for. Aren't they going to report me for being three days late on your mortgage? I don't think so. No. Even being 20 <laughs> days late, you pay a late fee, what, by the 15th or I don't know, whatever the mortgage says. It's not, you know, it costs you money. It's not a good way to do things. But I mean, I I get clients, like, especially when they're back in 2008, 2009, with a lot of short sales, people are losing their homes. They would call me up. They'd be like, I got to, we got to, I got a moving company. I got to pack. I got to move. I just got a notice of intent to foreclose. I'm like, well, why? Well, we're a certain amount of months behind on the mortgage. We've been negotiating with the bank, whatever. I go, you know, they're not coming for your house tomorrow. That's they got to give you a 60 day notice. And then this is going to go on for months and months and months. And then, you know, it's going to take them two years. You make it back on your feet. You may make a deal with the bank. You, you, you can call off the movers tomorrow, but nobody knows the legal process. Yeah. They, for some States, they do that, by the way, they have, they sell your house in the courthouse steps. I was going to say, yeah, they probably saw that, saw it on the news somewhere where, uh, you know, they got the notice and then all their stuff was out the next right. day. <laughs> Exactly. Well, you know, New Jersey's not good for a lot of things. Being in a house as a as a homeowner, being protected is pretty good. We, we got it pretty good here. Yeah, that's the one good part, right? <laughs> All those high taxes, not so good. But I know, knew people that lost everything during eight and nine, or whatever, and were in their house for years. Yeah, so that's because the, other- the whole system is so screwed up. That's the other unfortunate part. There is obviously people who take advantage because they know that they can, right? There's even with the pandemic, you know, I like, you know, we, you, you know, we own property. And so I have other, other friends and clients who own property and there's um, one client bought the property, I think sometime, you know, in 2019, got tenants in January, January, paid in January. This January? No, 2020. Last January. Okay. Hey, 2020, right in January, for whatever reason, something happened in February. They couldn't pay. The pandemic happened in March. They have not that the court not, shut down. Yeah, right. They haven't paid for a year now. Right. Can't get them out. Right. And and even when you get them out, you're not gonna you're gonna sue them for the money. They probably don't have it. It's ridiculous. That's it's- part of being a landlord. It's not good. There's a lot of tenant. I, I deal with a lot of 
clients who also have property like that. And we're always having a discussion. I'm like, listen, got to follow the rules. The judge will beat you up about it. If you're, if you're, if you're not careful, you know, um, and it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. But, you know, at the same token, you know, look, at the end of the day, if all these people got evicted, I don't know who you wouldn't have any tenants. There wouldn't be enough people to get a new tenant in your apartment anyway. So at least it's not empty. It's not empty, but you're still paying for water and maintenance. Oh, that's included? Yeah. Yeah. You still, I mean, you know, as a, as a landlord, you still have to pay for the water. You still yeah, have I to pay I guess you for do. It. Right. Right. And if, and if they let their heat go, you probably were like, well, shit, I better pay this because pipes will burst. And right. I've, I've had some terrible situations evicting people with, they just destroyed the place on their way oh, out. God, you know? I know. I've, I've heard all of those, which is why we are not buying any more property. Right, you should be real careful about it. <laughs> Every yeah. time we talk about it, we, we, you know, we look at what the, what happens to people when they have so much property. Although I have to say, I have a lot of clients that are in real estate, a lot of clients that are in real estate that make a lot of money from just, you know, rental income. Um, A lot of them are doing, you know, what is this? Um, Like the vacation home rental market that there's, so there's money to be made in real estate. For sure. It's hard to do that if you have a few units, because if one goes bad, you're spending all your time dealing with that one tenant and you're sucking up all of your income. If you have 10, 15, 20 units, now you're getting bigger. You might have a super who can go around and help you with the properties. You know, you get one or two. Because I've had clients say, oh, I don't have problems with tenants. I'm like, you will. And, you know, they hit certain number of tenants. And then, yeah, some of them start going bad. But if there's only a few and you have enough income, it's like once you get over that threshold, it, it, it becomes, you know, easier. I, look, people, I'm sure that people have said to you, I, I don't invest in real estate. And their experience has been like they had a condo once that they rented out to one family because they were moving and there was a toilet problem or the people didn't pay, like you said, and they got hammered. I'm like, that's your real estate experience. That's not really experience in real estate. So <laughs> yeah, that's, I got a whole thing about real estate. I also don't recommend to people buying a condominium that's like under 10 units, you know, <laughs> Because if you're there were people in Hoboken during 2008-9, they would be in a building with four units that a builder bought, converted yep. the whole thing to condos, and sold off the each units. Well, if one person stops paying and defaults on their mortgage, you're going to have to pick up the costs of the building with the other three people. And if one person says, screw it, if he's not paying, I'm not paying, now what do you do? Now you have two people who are not paying. and it's, right, It becomes a big problem, right? You yeah, know, yeah. So and your roof goes like, who's paying yeah, for Yeah, that's right? what I mean, right? Exactly. There's not enough. Yeah. yeah, there's not enough money in the in the maintenance account to pay for that stuff. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that people don't uh, think about or, you know, before they get in and then and then they have a bad experience and then they're like, oh, <laughs> stay away from that. I know. Yeah. That's, well, that's that's the, the way it goes. But we were talking also about some tax advantages that came out of the new CARES Act and um, that type of stuff. Yeah, so absolutely. So I think, unfortunately, the CARES Act happened in January 2020. And then in March 2020, when people would have started thinking about taxes, the pandemic happened. And so it just kind of went away, went away, unfortunately. But yeah, so um, there's a tax credit that can be given to anyone who's thinking about starting a 401k for the first three years. Right. Um, there's always... Um, this is a new plan, meaning you don't have a plan previously, and correct. you get some extra tax. We won't go over the numbers, but you get some extra tax credits. You Correct. Set it Ab- up. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So this is this is a great incentive for someone who's looking to start a four hundred one k. The other the other two things that people can do very easily, you know, if they have um, if if they have additional income that they do want to put away, they had a good year because of the pandemic, which you know, 
oddly enough, there's a lot of businesses that you wouldn't think, right? Like, I mean, no, there's, there are businesses that we all know, like, for example, the Amazon, Amazons of the world, yeah, right? Online retailers okay. and stuff. Absolutely. All of those online um, retailers had a great year this year. So, um, so if, if you're in that business where you've made more money last year than you've ever made before, there are certain things that you can do a set, a simple, um, you know, tons of those things that you can do and set up very easily. If there's, um, if there's additional money, there's also a, you know, like if you've made a lot of money, we're actually doing a defined benefit plan for yeah. um, for a client who last year, uh, oddly enough, it's a divorce attorney. Um, <laughs> also That's had odd. The, I'm sure they're doing very well. I was going to say also had one of the best years ever. <laughs> um, but so we're doing a defined benefit plan for her. So basically in that case, what you get to do is in a normal, you know, a 401k, an IRA, the government says this is the most you can put away. That's a defined right? contribution plan. Right. Right. In in those other types of plans, you can say, okay, well, by the time I get to, let's say 65, I'm going to have a million dollars in there. Right. So now based on your age, you're able to put a lot more away in your defined The benefit. closer you are, right. Absolutely. The older you are, like we have one gentleman um, and I have a TPA that does all of this, who's in, um, I think he's in Melbourne. He's a, you know, he's, he's a physician and he's like in his 60s, right? So he's putting away. Right. Like he's close to retirement. He can sock away a ton of money. He can put away nine, up to 90% of his income because of his age, right? And yeah, it's like crazy. And it's all it's all legal. <laughs> right, of course. And I also know you can use certain products, right? Like annuities and life insurance, things that are more conservative to even increase the benefit, right? Because the rates are lower and yeah. That, that's exactly what you're right. Right. So in addition to putting away into a defined benefit plan, profit sharing, all that, right. In addition to that, you can also put into a life insurance plan or annuities or whatever, right. In in order to increase that. Um, right, because they use that, the interest rate as part of the factor, right. Absolutely. That threshold. So you're able to sock away even more than that. So yeah. that's, that's one of the things um, if you've had a tremendous year and really like I'm, I'm, saying like if you've made over 500,000 last year, this is maybe something that makes sense. You know, there, there are fees, unfortunately, associated with the, the there TPA. Always are, has, yeah. yeah, there always are. There's a TPA that has to get paid. Um, but, you know, it makes sense because of the amount of money that you're going to save in taxes versus the benefit of what you're going to get in in return, right? Right, so. sure. And, and you and I have always spoken too. There are and obviously the rich get richer, right? There are advanced tax planning strategies. If you're, if you want to shelter income, there's some charitable planning strategies. There are strategies if you're selling a business or you're selling real estate through exchanges and things like that. Um, monetized installment sales, there's certain capital gains, deferral trusts and things like that. But like you said, they're not for the weak at heart. They're certainly not for, you know, you can't shelter $100,000 because these things can run anywhere from 50 to $500,000 in fees. These are people that are sheltering millions upon millions of dollars. Maybe they make 10, $15 million of personal income. They're looking to shelter, you know, they have a, a jet that they use or a building that they want to, you know, monetize or something like that. And they, they want to get a tax deduction for doing it. So there are, and I work on those too, there are some very complicated tax strategies that the rich use. I'm sure they go to their lawyer, what are we going to do? They go here, here it is, you know, and they, you know, I'm sure Jeff Bezos does all those types of things. So, you know, if, if somebody is a wealthy earner, they're listening to this, um, 
there are things to do. You can't. It's funny. I, I don't know if I did. I tell you this. I got a call the other day from a colleague of mine in another state, and he had a client who had sold a business or a building or something, and they wanted to defer the gain. The problem was I found that they sold it in last year. I'm like, it's a little late. You got to let a lot of these things you have to do. First of all, you can't do it in a different tax year, right? You and I both know that. Once you recognize the income, not calling up the government and say, hey, send me back that money. But you also, some of these things you have to do before you even do the transaction, before you sell the building, before you, you know, you got to put the money in ahead of time. You got to have the contract with the trust, you know, not yourself. Sometimes it's got to be done months before. So planning is, is important when it comes to this stuff. You can't just do it on the fly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So if you're, if you're going to sell a building or come into a lot of money, call Mitch, Yeah, right. <laughs> start, start planning now as yeah. opposed to when it's too late, because if it's, uh, if the building doesn't sell until, you know, December, 2021, you can't call Mitch at <laughs> January, 2022. It's, it's too late, right? You have to do something now. If you know that you're going to come into a, a big thing of money. The other part of that, unfortunately, as you and I know, cause we have that one client, hopefully the deal goes through. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I was talking to somebody yesterday. A lot of deals said have at least paused. I don't know if they'll come back or not, but yeah, a lot of these deals were because there were big financing. There's a lot of people involved. Some of the people went out of business and it was all changed and, and, uh, and stuff, uh, you know, that it's going to work out differently. Yeah, I think, I mean, and I don't know, like no one has a crystal ball. I think a lot of things will definitely change. I think in the commercial real estate space, unfortunately, I think a lot of things, you know, we we had this discussion um, earlier with our group. Um, I think, yeah, I think a lot of commercial real estate is not going to come back. It's, we're all- No, I think like if you're in the warehousing business, it'll be great. I think if you're in the office space business, I think you're going to be converting some of the, especially in the cities, probably to like work, live type of environments. People- have an apartment with an office and whatever. And you know, that, that you're going to see a lot of that stuff because people don't want to go to work. I mean, they don't want to stay home full time. None of us do, but they don't want to go to work five days a week. The The world is a, is a different place. It really is. I think the the biggest thing from the pandemic that I think we all realized, and including myself, I'm realizing I'm so much more efficient at home, right? I'm getting so much more done yeah. in a normal day, pre pandemic, you know, like, like getting, getting to see three clients in one day, I was like, Oh, I have to figure out how I'm going to be in like three different places that, uh, you know, the whole day had to be planned and scheduled. And I had to put times in there. I was going to travel one hour to get there. Right. One hour to, you know, if you were in Hoboken, it's an hour to park. Right? <laughs> like, yeah. Ridiculous. So none of that has to happen anymore. Like now I can talk to my clients in California over zoom. I can talk to my clients in Florida. Over two zoom. minutes later, talk to the one in California from Florida. It's, right. It's awesome. I mean, I, never want to go back. Right. Like, does it make any sense for, for a lot of businesses, um, including my own to go back? So as a result of it, I think they're going to have to figure out what to do with that commercial real estate space. So I think that will take a big hit, but you know, with the exception of that, I think a lot of other places, like, I don't know about you, but I'm dying to go on vacation. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) You just want to get away. Just, I don't even care where we're going anymore. Right. Like, just go somewhere. But until um, we get vaccinated, I don't know if I, I wasn't comfortable going to Ikea last weekend with my wife. I'm like dodging behind couches and trying to stay away from people. And it wasn't even that crowded. I don't know if I'd be like so excited to go on vacation yet. I mean, I want to go, but I just, I, I, people got to get vaccinated. I, I don't know. Yeah. 
Yeah, we have to have enough vaccines. That's the other. Unless there's somewhere I could drive to, I guess, where, you know, I'm in the woods or something like that. I, I don't want to go through an airport. I don't, I don't care about being on the plane as much, but certainly in the airport, you know, going to the place. Uh, yeah. In close spaces, right? Yeah. You don't have ventilation. I mean, the airports are kind of open, but still. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So a lot of businesses will change. Unfortunately, a lot of the small, you know, mom and pop shops are probably gone forever, right? Like they're not like even look at our town, right? There's there's a lot of spaces that are empty. Um, I I think retail will be the kind of thing where, first of all, it'll be much higher end stores. You're not going to get. Right. Because most of them will go online. And I think retails, you go in, they'll have like one or two of the item. You'll look at it. You like it. You pay for it. It'll be shipped to your house and show up in a day, the, the afternoon, even clothing. Right. If you, if you don't have to really try it on, you just see the shirt. And I know what my size is. OK, well, you know, I'll take uh, this one, this one and this one. And I don't even have to carry anything out of the store. I know that's unfortunate because I really enjoyed going yeah, to the stores and shopping. trying things on and seeing things and feeling things. It's, so I guess I'm. But look at the malls. The malls have all converted to high end stores. Nobody, if you're a, a you know a, a lower end retailer, you're just not going to go into a mall and pay the cost of being there. You you got to be selling high end goods, and those are the people that want to go shopping, right? The people that have money. Yeah. Well, that's the, that's the other unfortunate part, right? So there are a lot of people who don't have a lot of money and those people still need to be served. They still need clothes, right? They still need whatever else it is. So where are they going to go? A lot of them don't even, you know, I like think they've gotten comfortable though buying online. A lot of them, right? Hopefully. Um, Maybe not in the Midwest, but yeah. Well, the older people though, you know, a lot of them don't even like, like my mom doesn't know how to, how to use, like she doesn't order online, right? Like, no. No, she doesn't. <laughs> she has me. <laughs> right. You do it for her. No, my parents are the same way. My sisters have helped them. They've ordered their grocery. Everything's online now. They never used to order online. You know, somebody was telling me the other day, yeah, well, I went to the store. I had to wait to get it. I'm like, why didn't you just order it online? Oh, I didn't, I didn't really think about that. Like, because she saw whatever the item was, there were like four of them. So she got up really early like seven o'clock in the morning to get to the store to get the item. And it was like an item with guaranteed you can get it on Amazon, have it the next day. I'm like, well, why did you do that? Cause I thought they would be out of it. No, nobody's out of anything anymore. You know, now it may not be the brand you want, but you know, the toilet paper, the paper towels. Okay. We're not using bounty right now because we can't find it, but it works. It's fine. You know, we're, we're okay. You know? Yeah. The no name brand works just as good. It soaks up the, right. <laughs> the mess just as good. Right. Exactly. It's not, it was all, you know, the way we felt we were brand conscious. Now we're not so brand conscious, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's what happens. Even my dad, he was like, I, he liked to go to the bank and drive through the window and put the, he calls me up. He's like, did you know you can scan the check right in your phone? <laughs> like, yeah, for like 10 years, you can make five years. You've been able to do that. Oh yeah. Because he had a way he was comfortable doing it. Yeah. Now you don't have to go to them. Now I go to the bank. They won't even let me in. They're like, oh, you know, you got to gotta make an appointment. Because depending on the branch, they only have so many people there or whatever. Oh. You know, so yeah. it's, it's <laughs> we, it, Right. We don't have anyone to service you and you can't hang around here because of the virus, right? right so. Exactly. <laughs> so you got it. Yeah. Got to make an appointment for your bank. I mean, it's ridiculous. If it wasn't for cash, we'd probably never go to the bank. Which, right. I, which is probably going to go away soon too, right? Yeah, it just points. Well, right. because of Venmo and what are they, Zelle and Pop Money, all these different things, PayPal, you don't need to, you can transfer money any way you want to. You don't have to, you know, 
yeah. to do it. So it's a whole new right. world. It whole is a whole world. new world. Well, I appreciate you taking this amount of time to talk to me and it's always a good conversation to share. And uh, if there's anything that you want to, you know, offer to people, meaning you have free information, whatever, either get it to me or get me a link and we'll put it in the show notes so people can click on it. And obviously all your contact info too. Um, and you know, they, they can get that information. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, um, I'll give you all the the tax information that I, that I shared on here. And then, um, I'll also get you, I'll get you my contact information as well as, um, you know, the one thing if you, um, this is really for everybody. So we deal with obviously very high end clients that, you know, have all of this tax planning that they need to do, but you know, we've also, because of the pandemic, we've also started helping people the average Joe that needs help, right? So we actually have a, a financial coaching program that we've also started last year in March. Like it's debt real- counseling, helping people get out of debt, start saving money. Yeah, that's all absolutely, good. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, so we started doing that. And it's, um, you know, we've had we've had a couple of successes. Uh, we're still working on a couple of clients <laughs> to get them fully out of debt, but it's great. So we're, we're able to help wherever you are. You know, okay, it doesn't good. matter if, if you're- Good if to you're know. Here, it doesn't matter. Because people don't know where to turn sometimes. Yep. So yeah. if you just right. want to, yeah, if you just have a question, let me know. Thanks for coming on, Gigi. I appreciate it. Thanks, Mitch. Thanks for the time. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Accidental Entrepreneur. Opening and closing music written and performed by Howie Moskovich and made to order music. For more information about Howie and his music services, please follow the link in our show notes. If you like the podcast, please tell others about us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, on Amazon Music, Spotify, and most of the other podcast directories. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star review and feel free to share our episodes on social media. If you have any questions or comments, ideas for the show, or you'd even like to appear as a guest, reach out to us by email at info at the Accidental Entrepreneur is hosted by Mitch Beinacker and produced by Beinacker Law. If you'd like to learn more about our business and legal services, you can find us on social media or visit our website at beinackerlaw.com. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our feed to be notified of all future episodes.